All right, welcome back to a Sunday edition of Baseball Banter. I'm your host, Justin Gianelli, on this Sunday, April the 25th, 2021, as Sunday Night Baseball currently going on in the sixth inning right now. And it is the marquee series of the weekend. It is story number one. It's where we're going to start with the San Diego Padres and the Los Angeles Dodgers. Uh, right now, currently 2-1 Dodgers in the sixth inning. Uh, Dustin May pitching to Trent Grisham, who's 0 for 2. May having a career night so far, 10 strikeouts. Uh, right now, Tatis on first base. He has a home run in this game, and my God, five home runs this weekend. Hit two off of Clayton Kershaw on Friday, on Friday night. Hit two off of Trevor Bauer last night. And I think, from what I heard, it was the first time somebody has had back-to-back uh, -back days of multiple home runs off of former Cy Young winners. And, you know, the Dodgers in their pitching staff, you know, in their in their pitching uh, arsenal, they have three Cy Young winners. You know, I mean, David Price is in the bullpen right now, but, uh, you know, you have Clayton Kershaw, who's won three Cy Young Awards. Trevor Bowers, the reigning National League Cy Young winner. And just a load of, a load of, uh, Pitch, load, load of pitching talent. And, um, you know, for Tatis to have the weekend he's having is uh, quite is, is quite amazing. Uh, the Dodgers would have to win this game in order to even up the series at two games apiece. The Padres took the first two uh, with the Dodgers winning 5-4 to four last night. And, you know, it, it has been... This series has just lit, has just lived up to the hype, just like last weekend. Uh, this these two teams have lived up to the hype so far, and you know it has made for some fun battles, some tense battles. You had a six to one win on Friday night from San Diego. You um, Darvish really shut down. You Darvish really shut down the Dodger lineup that night, and then you had the three two win which was saved by Jake Cronenworth in the bottom of the eighth inning um, when he turned uh, an amazing double play, and that that killed the Dodger rally, and they held on for a 3-2 to victory. Tatis faking like he's trying to steal second. But, I mean, these two teams, and, you know, the Padres right now are kind of hovering around 500. They're 12-11, so overall they've been kind of uh, off, off and on, but... You know the Dodgers are fifteen and six. They're 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 clearly showing that they're the class of the league, and this is kind of what I thought would happen. And is that the Dodgers against the rest of the competition, as opposed to the Padres versus the rest of the competition? There's just no debate who's better. But when you put these two teams on a field against each other, it is clearly even. And you know right now they've battled to three wins apiece. The Dodgers took two out of three last weekend. The uh, Padres have taken two out of three so far with game four undecided. And, you know, we're, you know, we're off to having a wonderful year. I mean, Tatis already making a name for himself with an MVP potential. I mean, I know it's the first month of the season, but he's having an MVP caliber weekend with the five home runs. Um, You know, he... This is this has just been really awesome and really everything he's wanted. And here goes there goes Tatis, safe, stolen base for Fernando Tatis Jr. So he's just doing it all tonight. 
power, speed. Um, unfortunately, he's pretty bad defensively, but he does have an error tonight and almost had another one, but Eric Hosmer saved him. And the Dodgers have had a lot of chances, but they're leave they've left the bases loaded a couple of times. Um, they've really been able to work out of jams. Joe Musgrove only went the first couple of innings, and then Craig Stammen has pitched ever since. So, I mean, the Padres not getting really a deep, a deep outing from Joe Musgrove today. And, you know, they're into the bullpen for this, the rest of the day. But we'll see what Grisham does here on 3-2. May's pitch is into the shift, and it'll be a ground out. Um, so, th this is the obviously the big story of the weekend, and we've seen some great plays. Some good news for the Dodgers. It sounds like Cody Bellinger is getting ever so closer to returning from that little hairline fracture in his leg after he was uh, stepped on in the calf area back uh, a couple of weeks ago. So that's good news for the Dodgers. Their offense has kind of been a little bit scuffling. And, um, you know, they, they could definitely use the uh, the shot in the arm. That's That's for sure. All right, story number two. Today, the Oakland A's 13-game win streak came to an end, and what a win streak it was. The A's have, you know, they, you know after a 1-7 start, they rattled off 12, consec 13, 12 consecutive, 13 consecutive victories, putting them at 14 and now 8 on the year. And, you know, with a one-game lead over the Mariners, three over the... Uh, LA Angels. <laughs> and I want to share something funny because I saw this on Twitter. Because the division right now says A's, Mariners, Angels, Astros, and Rangers. Well, actually, the Angels actually, because they moved into third place, it doesn't work anymore. But if the Astros are in third place, the uh, hats would spell out ass hat. Whatever. I, I just thought that was funny. Uh, but, I mean, the Oakland A's, they've been pitching well lately. Uh, they've been hit, getting timely hits. Uh, today, that was not the case. An 8-1 to one Oriole victory, snapping that win streak. And, you know what? It was a good run. A very good run. You know, there will be more. You know, they're going to they're gonna win a lot of games this year. And, you know... The, I had them as a 90-plus win team, and I certainly think that. You know, and they ran into good pitching, too. John Means had a really strong outing. Uh, six strikeouts over six of the third innings where he walked three, uh, gave up two hits, and allowed only one earned run. And nothing came out of the bullpen. Um, only the one hit allowed by Lother in the ninth inning. It was a rough day at the office. It was an okay day at the office for Jesus Lazardo, but Deolis Guerrero out of the bullpen. Uh, he had he had a rough time of things with the walks and an error leading to a bunch of unearned, unearned runs. So, but all you gotta do is commend the A's for what they put together because winning thirteen in a row is a is something that's very hard to do. I mean, they're a franchise that knows all about long winning streaks with the. Moneyball team of 2002, having won 20 in a row. And, you know, they're starting to round into form as to who they're going to be as a team. They're going to be 
Oakland's going to be a team that's average at pitching, uh, but on, 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 night, on certain nights they will display some extremely good, some extremely good hitting, and you know that's going to be important as they get through the get through the regular season, and we'll see we'll see how it holds up as we get to the playoffs. But you know, so far so good, and um, you know the A's have really you know ba- they've bounced back from that slow start. And so they are now in first place. So good for so good for them. Uh, story number three is is all right is all right with the world now for the Yankees. They lose today, but win three out of four from the Cleveland Indians. Uh, they're now nine. They're now nine and twelve on the year. Um, I don't know that all is well just yet. They do have a four-game set starting tomorrow with the Baltimore Orioles at Camden Yards. Uh, it's imperative that they take three and four. That they take three or four, and just and just you know get into that groove, start winning series, and start building up that record and bouncing back from what was a slow start. Not as slow of a start as the A's did, but I don't know that they're going to be a team that rips off a big 13-14 game winning streak. I mean, that that's something that's extremely hard to do and that's why you kind of, that's why you marvel at what the uh A's did over the last 2 weeks, that's for sure. So the A's so the so the Yankees had a really really solid weekend and my goodness, how about Rugnet Odor? He has had quite the start uh with the New York Yankees and you know he's had he's had multiple home runs. He was zero for three today, but you know since coming over for the Yankees, he's had three big home runs. Um, you know he's he's, re- he's really given them a bit of a spark on uh, on offense and and something that they needed. And you know right now you're looking at DJ LeMay who play at first base for the most part while uh, Luke Voigt still rehabs from. His spring training injury, um, and Odor gets the bulk of the time at second base. You know, one of the things that they also have to figure out is what they do at shortstop, and you know, Glaber Torres is not hitting, and he's been a problem defensively. So, the the Dodge the the Yankees really just need to find their footing defensively. Um, you know, it, it's good to see uh, Giancarlo Stanton start to wake up with the bat a little bit. Uh, he was today. He was one for five. Uh, did have a home run yesterday. Today they got home runs from uh, Gio Urshela and Mike Ford. Mike Ford was getting the start at first base today. Uh, DJ LeMahieu got the day off. But I mean that that's a backup. That's a bench scenario right there. Where if DJ needs a day, Mike Ford could play first base and. Um, it still keeps Rugnet Odor in the lineup because it seems like he's really provided a, a bit of a spark too. And the Yankees were looking for some kind of spark. The offense had looked lifeless, and they really rose to the occasion. Now the only thing that now the only thing of concern still for the Yankees is they got behind quite early in some of these games this weekend, both Thursday and Friday, uh, falling behind three nothing after the first inning, and. You know, well, coming back is great and all. I mean, how often are you going to 
uh, how often are you just going to continue to come back from down three nothing? So, I mean, you don't want to you don't want to fall behind. Uh, it's not ideal, but you know, for the Yankees, things went well. They got the big win yesterday, where uh, Garrett Cole outdueled Shane Bieber in what was a battle of two uh, potential Cy Young candidates in the American League. Um, the reigning the reigning Cy Young winner, Shane Bieber, and somebody who could have certainly won the Cy Young in 2019 in Garrett Cole when he was with the Houston Astros. So that that was a matchup to behold. Uh, the only the only thing the only thing missing from that matchup was uh, Jacob Degrom. I mean that's for sure. Um, and speaking of Jacob Degrom, let's let's transition to the Mets, who won two out of three this weekend uh, over the Washington Nationals, and did it with two shutout wins. And you know they got a really good performance today from Taiwan Walker, who kind of looks a little sluggish out of the gate, and uh, he was not really. Commanding his pitches early in the game, a lot of traffic on the bases the first three innings, but you know he really settled in and you know turned in turned in seven scoreless, and that was really just what the Mets needed. And you know after Marcus Stroman's outing yesterday where he struggled, he didn't have command of his pitches, uh, got squeezed a little bit in the strike zone, but. You know, all in all, it was not a great outing. The defense let him down. Kind of all, everything was a bit of a disaster on Saturday. But Friday night, a 6 nothing victory for the Mets was all about one Jacob DeGrom. And DeGrom, to me, that was the best performance I had ever seen from Jacob. He goes, he goes the distance, allows just two hits. Retired the last 19 batters he faced and struck out a career-high 15 batters and did it at the plate, too. Uh, got two hits, drove in a run, scored twice. You know, it was really an all-around performance from, from Jacob, and he's, you know, he's been better than what he's been in years past, and it's scary to say but he's got command of every single pitch. And one of the things that really uh, really emphasizes how good he's pitching is Steve Gelbs reporting the story that uh, pitching coach Jeremy Hefner saying that Jacob DeGrom has a top five, you know, one of the best curveballs in the entire league, but he never uses it because... It's his fourth pitch, and his slider is good. His slider is so good. His changeups are absolutely unhittable, and his fastball, he just blows people away uh, on a consistent basis. So he doesn't need that fourth pitch. So he just uses that three-pitch mix, and he's got this great curveball that he never uses. So, I mean, it's just it's impressive watching him night in and night out. And, you know, if you're a Met fan, like me, just enjoy every time out. I know it's been very stressful over the last few years because, you know, we don't really help him out too often. And we don't, you know, give him the run support that he deserves. But, you know, he's now won back-to-back -back starts. You know, after that hard luck loss in, uh, in uh, where, where was that second series? 
I think it was no, it was the Miami when when he gave up the home run to Jazz Chisholm. That he had that hard luck loss, and you know, he is he he has just been absolutely filthy. And he set a, he set a major league record, fifty strikeouts in his first four starts, and he's got a point three one ERA, which is just ahead of Corbin Burns. Who Corbin Burns has been another revelation too. So we're gonna get to that in a second. But to, to finish my point on the Grom, you know, he just looks he he just looks unhittable out there, and it is just. I don't even know what goes through a hitter's mind when they're walking to the plate seeing number 48 on the mound for the Mets because and there were some and there were a couple times uh picks uh SNY on Friday night would show from the camera from behind the catcher and you see the movement on his pitches you see where he locates and you see the the batters taking some really bad swings it's crazy because these are major league players now, we're not going to mistake the Nationals for the 27 Yankees, and you know we're not going to say that they get the greatest lineup in the world, but it's a professional lineup. They're a major league ball club, and to make these guys look so bad is just flat-out ridiculous, and there's just no more superlatives that we haven't said about DeGrom over these past three-plus years because his run of dominance really started at the beginning of the 2018 season. He was he was a pretty good pitcher in 2017 and 2016. Had a really good 15 and a put in a good rookie of the year at 14. Obviously, he won rookie of the year. But you know, starting in 2018, something just changed and now he is this all-world, all-time type pitcher where you're just witnessing greatness every single start from Jacob DeGrom. And it's just it's just a pleasure to watch, and you know you just know going into that night, if you're a Met fan, that we have every shot of winning, because Jacob is going to throw zeros, and at worst he gives up two runs, because you know you're you know because he hardly gives up more than two three runs in a start anyway, so it's such a it's such a pleasure man it's such a pleasure watching Jacob DeGrom pitch uh speaking of dominating how about Corbin Burns and the Milwaukee Brewers a .37 ERA he's got 40 strikeouts in his first 24 and a third innings and not only does he have 40 40 40 strikeouts he's got something that DeGrom doesn't zero walks DeGrom has walked three batters, which is, you know, very, very low for, you know, the number of batters he's faced and the number of innings he's pitched. But Corbin Burns hasn't walked a single batter in his 24 and a third innings, and he struck out 40. I think that's the, I think if I'm not mistaken, that's the most strikeouts to start a season for a starter uh, without issuing a walk. And that ball is gone. It's a three-run home run for Chris Taylor, and the Dodgers are blowing it open. It's seven to one. Wow, that one got out of here in a hurry. Hundred point five off the bat, three eighty-nine distance. Wow, that was that was quite the shot. 
All right, but uh, back to birds. You know, the command has just been absolutely fantastic, and you know, he is. You know, he is helping. With, you know, as long with Brandon Woodruff, and these are the two guys I continue to go back to when talking about the Brewers' success for the year, of how important it was for these two to continue the success that they have shown over the recent past. And they have done everything in their power. And, and the Brewers have shown that they have one of the best pitching rotations in baseball. And they're sitting in first place right now, up by two games on the on the St. Louis Cardinals at 13-8. and eight. And if Brandon Woodruff and Corbin Burns are going to pitch like this, it makes for a dynamic one-two punch. And that's really how you're going to get through, especially in these times where right now you don't have Christian Yelich, he's dealing with a bit of a back issue. And, you know, so you're living without your best player. Uh, Lorenzo Cain is also out. And, you know, the lineup is not particularly good right now. So you have to rely on the pitching to get you through. Get you, get you through these early times. So it's been a good start for the Brewers. And... You know, they got that they got their combo in the bullpen as well with Devin Williams and Josh Hader. I mean, that's a scary combination in the eighth and ninth inning or seventh, eighth and ninth, because those guys can certainly pitch multiple innings to get the final six to nine outs, depending on how much they need on a nightly basis. Um, okay. Number the, the final the final point of note before we get to some randoms and wrap up this show today. Um, the Arizona Dimebacks, how about the D-backs? Two shutout victories over the Atlanta Braves in a doubleheader. Yesterday's game uh, got rained out in Atlanta. But two shutout victories. And not only that, Torrey Lovello did not have to use the bullpen once. The manager of the Dimebacks did not have to go to the, to the bullpen once. Now, as you all know, the... Uh, Doubleheaders are seven innings. They're not nine innings, which brings in a bit of confusion. Well, in the first game, Zach Gallen threw a complete game shutout, a one-hit shutout. To make matters worse for the Braves, one hit was all they would get for the day. Madison Bumgarner pitched a complete game, zero-hit performance, zero-hit shutout. That's what it's called, a zero-hit shutout. It's not a no-hitter because it didn't go nine innings. Now, apparently the MLB is trying to debate this with the Elias Sports Bureau, and we're trying to figure out whether or not this is going to go into record books as a no-hitter. And it sure seemed like they were celebrating. It sure showed that they were celebrating like it was a no-hitter. They knew it was going on. Now, I don't know. Now, I don't know why um, why there's confusion about this because the the major you know, the MLB have you know easily decided that seven innings is a full game in double headers and you're recognizing that to be a complete game, but you won't recognize it as a no hitter. So that's where the confusion draws in. And, you know, 
how are we going to, I mean, how are we going to view this? I mean, it sure seemed like it was a no-hitter. Um, will I be upset if they if they rule a no-hitter? No, absolutely not. But it just leaves this utter mass confusion because Rob Manfred is such a dickhead. He has to change all these freaking rules. All right, it was cute for last year, the seven-inning doubleheaders. And I get it. The pandemic's still going on. I know, even though more people are getting vaccinated, uh, I myself got my first shot on uh, uh, yesterday afternoon. Um, but we're still playing these seven inning garbage doubleheaders. I mean, double baseball is nine innings in the major leagues. Let's play nine. I'm sick of these seven inning doubleheaders. I'm sick of the stupid extra inning base runner rule. Um. Let's play nine innings. What the hell is two more innings at this point? And I see a couple of records here. It, it, it's funny as we're talking about this, they're showing the D-backs Braves scores on the uh, ticker on ESPN. And it is the first time since 1977 a pair of teammates throw a shutout on the same day. And the one hit by the Braves, what... Uh, is the fewest in baseball history in a doubleheader. Now, the the lucky person to get the one hit today was Freddie Freeman. Freddie Freeman got a hit in the... God, it must have been a second at bat. Hey, no, it's not a second at bat. Freeman, Freeman, Freeman. Bottom of the sixth. So Zach Gallen actually was like, so Zach Gallen actually was five outs away from a no-hitter, from a seven-inning no-hitter. And the only base hit comes from Freddie Freeman in the bottom of the sixth inning of game one of the doubleheader. I mean, it is just an excellent display of pitching. And usually a, a, a day of doubleheaders is usually a day where you know the bullpen's going to get taxed. You're playing two games, even if it's only 14 innings. You know it's a taxing day for the bullpen. And Tori Lovello doesn't even need to use the bullpen. Uh, you know, he hasn't even didn't even need the bullpen today. So... You know, it was, so it was a great day for the Diamondbacks. And, you know, they got two victories, and they really helped the Mets out because it was a really bad day for the National League East, uh, aside from the Mets. I mean, the number of shutouts in in, in division because the Braves got shut out twice. Uh, the Nationals got shut out today, 4 nothing to the Mets. Um, how about the Phillies? They lost. The Phillies lost 12-2 to to the to the Rockies and Trevor Story at a grand slam in that game. And the Marlins lost four to three to the Giants. And the Giants are playing some really good baseball. We've talked about them a lot and and we're gonna continue talking about them a little bit more as the season goes on as long as that they are still in the race and you know they're surprising people. And you know, we'll figure out whether or not they're real or they're fool's gold. And you know, that's a little tease for Wednesday night. 
I will have John Stewart on with me. He was going to come on today as an emergency WTF uh, segment if the Yankees had struggled this weekend against the Indians. They did not, but he will still come on Wednesday. We'll assess the Yankees' first half for the start, the first month of the season, and you know, kind of see you know what's gone wrong and you know what do we like about them that is got you on the optimism for them bouncing back from this slow start to the season. And then we'll play a game of real gold, fool's gold, uh, fool's slow, if you will, or real slow. So we'll we'll probably do six teams total. Uh, We'll pick three teams that, that are off to good starts, three teams that are off to sluggish starts, and determine whether or not uh, they're bound to struggle all season, or they'll get it together, or if these good teams early on are going to be good all year, or if they're going to fade to the back of the pack as the season wears on. You know, we're back to the 162-game season, so, you know, there's more time for a team that's not quite ready to do damage. Uh, fade is the summer. The dog days of summer start getting in, start coming in. And uh, you know the real teams. The real teams will stand up. That's for sure. By the way, the best part of doing my podcast on Sunday nights is the fact that I get to mute ESPN and I don't have to listen to Alex Rodriguez. Is there anyone more annoying in sports and sports broadcasting uh, than Alex Rodriguez? I doubt it, and that's a bummer because and that's a bummer because I really like Matt Vasgersian. Uh, I think he's ter- I think Matt's a terrific broadcaster. But Alex Rodriguez is so unlistenable; it's not it's not even funny. And you know, I I just enjoy the game on mute. And right now, I'm watching David Price pitch to Jorge Mateo and gets him to swing and miss for the first out of the uh, seventh inning. I wouldn't be surprised if Dave. I wouldn't be surprised if David uh, finishes this game. And even though there's two on, nobody out. There's only, he's only thrown eight pitches, so it's not like he's. Uh, Worked extremely hard yet, and you know a couple of soft singles to start the inning. We'll see where uh, we'll see where this inning takes the Padres. First and second one out, but you know all in all, I mean this weekend's been this this weekend's been exciting, and um, you know there's so much more to come, and you know I look to I look forward to more of these Dodgers Padres series. I mean, that's for sure. These two teams are just fighting tooth and nail against each other. And today is one of the rare blowouts uh, that that we've had. Uh, Next time that these two teams will meet up, uh, we got a bit of a bummer. They do not meet in May, and they do not meet until June 21st. So they'll meet for three games in San Diego on June the 21st. Um, and then they will meet not until after the All-Star break, but in September, you know, they'll meet for three in August in San Diego. And then the Dodgers, the Padres don't return to Dodger Stadium until September the 10th and then September the 28th. So I like that the Dodgers and Padres are battling each other head to head in the final week of the 2021 season. I think that was great scheduling by MLB. Um, and this was, and you know, and you know how the baseball schedule works. I mean, it's like, 
they put the schedule out for the next season in August. So you knew they were on the up and up, and then they make the they make their big additions. Uh, San Diego does with the, with the pitching, with Darvish, Snell, Musgrove, uh, via trade. Um, and then the the Dodgers signing Trevor Bauer. I mean, this is just gonna be one hell of a season. But it, it is a bummer that we won't see these two teams again head to head until. Uh, the month of June, and that is a bobble and an error on Sheldon Noisy. Well, that's going to load the bases with one out, and that is going to make life a lot difficult here. Should have been an ending, an ending, ending double play, but instead now base is loaded and one out, and it's going to bring up the catcher Victor Caratini to the plate. So, you know, these, these are just some of my observations, and... And, you know, thoughts on how things have gone early in the season. And, you know, we're, you know, I'm excited that things are starting to continuing to heat up. And, you know, one final thought. You know, we all thought the National League East was supposed to be this big, bad division. Well, it turns out they've all looked pretty weak so far. I mean, 9-8 and eight is holding the Mets in first place. You know, because you got the Phillies at ten and eleven, the Braves are nine and twelve, the Marlins are nine and twelve, and the Nationals are eight and eleven. And the Nationals just do not have a great offense. And Trey Turner left today's game with an elbow issue because he got hit on the elbow, and then it w it looked weird when he came out of the you know he came out of the game and and everyone was like oh okay I guess it was worse than imagined. Uh, that's a base hit that scores two. Seven three. Things are getting interesting again. Gonna have to heat up the bigger part of the bullpen. So keep an eye on that Trey Turner injury. Um Hyunjin Ryu left today's game with a uh, glute strain. So um the Blue Jays will monitor that. Mike Trout's expected to be back in the lineup. We were on the air Wednesday uh, Thursday night when he left the game with the hit-by-pitch. And, you know, we kept on monitoring his status. Uh, he did not play at all this weekend. But, you know, he they, they, they think he'll be good to go for Monday's game in uh, Texas. So uh, that'll be all for today's baseball banter. We will talk to you on Wednesday. Have a good night.